I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Hey, this is Charlotte Stewart, and you're listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kasaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. Brian, we got a special show today. We have the women of Eraserhead. Catherine Coulson, Judith Roberts, Charlotte Stewart, and Laurel Neer, who played the lady in the radiator. So let's start with some Catherine Coulson. I really think you're an amazing person. You've been a teacher. You've been an assistant director, camera assistant. You've been an actor in television, film, theater. Well, I've had a really fortunate career of using various aspects of my personality. I was actually a camera operator as well. And that's how I, I met David Lynch uh, doing Eraserhead because he cast me in the movie as the nurse, but we never shot the scene. But because I was married to Jack Nance, who was mm. playing Henry, yeah. he asked me if I would help out on the film, and it really became my film school. Now I had done my master's in theater and then moved to L.A. and had this opportunity to work with this man who I thought was probably pretty special. Yeah. And I learned how to, you know, push the dolly, hold the boom, pull focus. Amazing. It should be camera. It was really my film school. I didn't know it would go on for so long. <laughs> we, we shot for a, quite a few years well, on and off. And then I met John Cassavetes, who was the artist in residence at the American Film Institute, and uh, went to work with Fred Elms and John um, shooting uh, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie and Opening Night. So that was sort of the end of my film school. And then I became one of the first women in the camera union, but I kept acting. That's something. And uh, now funny. I've just been acting probably the last 20, 25 years. How did you first hear about that, that there were going to be a new series of Twin Peaks? Uh, David called me in the fall and uh, said he was going to do this for Showtime, and was I interested? Oh, yeah. He said yes, and I was interested, and he said, well, details to follow. And then, you know, it kind of fell through for a while because Showtime didn't want to do it the way David did, and yeah. he said no. And then a, a bunch of actors sort of spearheaded by Machen Amick, and they got the idea to do these little YouTube 
ish videos that would go on social media. Yeah, the Twin Peaks without David Lynch is like the Twin Peaks without David Lynch is. The show without David Lynch would be like a log without bark. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I love that. That's so cool. So, so we put them all together. I think Majin spearheaded. I'm not sure, and um, put them on. And David said it really made a huge difference because hmm. it got so much response. Yeah, the community was on fire. That they, they were all, uh, you know, responding to it. It, it. it it seemed like it really did make a big difference, and it seems like it maybe saved the show from coming back. I mean, well, we don't know for sure, but yeah. we know that that Showtime listened to the popularity among the fans, and there are a lot of wonderful Twin Peaks fans, truly the nicest people in the world. I mean, I just went to the Twin Peaks Fan Festival in Snoqualmie, and they were just lovely human beings. Oh, yeah. They always are, and there were a lot of them this year, because it's the 25th anniversary. Right. So it was fun. Yeah, I had a good time, and I got to see some of my old friends from the cast, and, um, and look forward to more. That's something. Yeah, you know, I, so I was doing research, and like when you attended the first Twin Peaks festival in 1992, there was a question to answer part, and they asked you, would would Twin Peaks ever come back to TV? And you said, you know, basically, uh, that the chance of that happening was nil. That that it probably was not going to ever happen. And it's funny just to be like that. 25 years years here we are. That there's this chance that no. it's coming back. I, mean, I remember David saying <clears throat> once I went to one of uh, the, this wonderful festival in London, and a couple times, and really well run festival in London and I talked to David right before I left and I said what can I tell the fans and he said tell them there are still stories to tell hmm. so I said that then that was you know, a long time ago I still believe that he's had in his mind that he wasn't quite finished you know I'm really excited to see what he's gonna do next me too uh, we <laughs> all are nobody has a clue now, I kind of feel like Twin Peaks in some way uh, originated with you because, you know, David had talked to you back when Racer hit about being the, the log girl and stuff. Hi, the log girl. And, and you had this, uh, this whole TV show called I'll Test My Log with Every Branch of Knowledge. And, right. And I, I <laughs> she always... was going to be the um, person going to the experts to find out, with, I think with, her little, with a little boy, and ask like a dentist. To put on one of those little blue things with the clips around the log and probe oh, the rings, and then <laughs> we would learn about wood, ponderosa pine log, the only log, yeah. and um, we would also learn about dentistry and the importance of keeping your teeth clean. And there was an idea that we talked about and joked about for a long time, but then we didn't actually ever do because. To manifest in another show. It seems like something would have been great for PBS. Like, you know, you have Sesame Street, and then right after that, you have the log lady telling you about, or like, you're learning With things. Every branch of knowledge. Yeah. yeah. That would have been something. That then. Too funny. Ford's very, you know, marketing savvy. David just wants to create wonderful things, and other people come along and help him sell them and market them, but that's not his thing. He just likes to make art. I think we're almost out of time, but I'd love to ask you, too, what your theory is about the log. I mean, there's some theories, I don't know if it was ever really revealed in the show, but could it be that the spirit of the log lady's husband is in the log? I mean... I wouldn't read that much into it. Yeah. I mean, he did die in a fire, but um, we hold fast to totems that remind us of the people we love. Hmm. I wouldn't say the spirit of him is in the log. I would say that she holds fast to the memory of her dead husband, but really the log is just a log. Hmm. And we never anthropomorphize 
anthropomorphize the log. Yeah. Not not a she or a he. It, it's it's a good log though. <laughs> <laughs> David actually gave you the actual log. I have it in trust. Very good. In a secure, undisclosed location. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you brought the you brought the mini log with you for the fest. I did. I, I have what I call the travel log. The travel log. That's great. It's in my suitcase. Otherwise, the airlines won't let me carry it because they said it could be used as a bludgeon. Once I oh, called wow. United Airlines and said, I have this log and I want to carry it on, and they said... The log. <laughs> it was very funny. Oh, anyway, I don't take the the real log with me. Although we'll have to get it to wherever we're shooting if it's going to even be in it. We don't. I don't really know anything for right. sure. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for your time. Do you My have pleasure. Any- Girl named Mary called on the payphone and said she's at her parents and you're invited to dinner. Oh yeah. Judith Roberts, who played the beautiful girl across the hall. I can't believe it's been 40 years since the release of Eraser. I know. <laughs> Isn't that something? You, you're talking to an aged hooker is what you oh. are. You know? <laughs> I'm joking, but it's fun. <laughs> Did you find out about Eraserhead through Charlotte Stewart? I know you were friends with her. Is that Yes, a- yeah. I was, I was friends with her. I haven't seen her in years as things happened, but she just thought, at the time, that it would be terrific. Why don't I come over and meet David? When you met David Lynch, did you have to interview or did you have to audition for her? Yes, I mean, what happened was it wasn't like a regular audition because I don't think he does it that way. Charlotte said, do you want to meet David? He's doing this movie. And I said, sure. And so one night I went up with Charlotte and David said, do you want to do it? It was that straightforward. Mm. And that's how it happened. God, this is like 1970, 71, 72, mm. because we did it in two sections. We did it once and he said, I don't. I don't really like how that is. We're going to do it again. Mm. So I did it again. And he really always knew what he wanted. He didn't like lay that on anyone or Mm. he would just do it and eventually he'd get you around to what he wanted but I think that was true and he had these associations of almost growing up with some of the other people it seemed to me Mm. and he did other things with them too. The other people they were part of his world Mm. because they known him a long time. I was sort of new one on the block in Mm. a way which sort of worked for that. Everyone was really lovely. They would cook, some of them would bring in food, and uh, their commitment to David and I just automatically followed because you felt something very special about him. He really did. It was something right on. Special in the sense that he knew what he wanted to say. Mm. He'd not be able to articulate it always, but hey, you know, there was something like good stuff happening. So the just drive up to AFI whenever it was happening, and we would do it. You know, we would do whatever we had to do. It was like being in a mysterious old house at AFI or something <laughs> with the spike, which was the cedars, on the table yeah. always. Never forget that. It was the baby. Just, but, mm-hmm. but the baby was very much a part of just being there in that room with that creature. It's quite special in its own way, and it's iconic 
features, but at the time, it was this kind of mysterious room, kind of, you went to and uh, participated in. I remember doing the water thing. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that that milk tank. That, can you share it with us, that experience? <laughs> no. <laughs> It was very funny. Yeah. I think of all the years that have passed since then. Were you in that tank for like hours? Were you in there like all night? Well, Do- we did it. Well, we sort of did it all kind of all, but I, I wasn't in the tank that, that late of time. Mm. Of course not. You'd get out, but you'd go back because you, you wanted the hair floating a certain way. I didn't have too much control of that. So we'd do it again. We'd take some time off and do it again and do it again. And it, was, it wasn't horrific by any means. I was, it, it was very it, mystical. It was very, I mean, like, I think the atmosphere, the black and white, and this, and this kind of white. Oh, yeah, the yeah. whole thing had a... I don't think I defined it then, but as I thought of later, it did have a mystical quality. Was, yeah. was the tank cold? Was it hot? Like, were you comfortable in... No, when they tried to keep it warm, they did. I remember yeah. that they'd managed to heat up some water. They did do that. They tried it, but it, I don't ever remember like I was freezing in That's it. That's good. Trying to keep it as simple as possible. That was really his desire. It's very beautiful to look at. It's really lovely. It is. And did you have a script? There was a script, but mainly the look and mainly the feel of the person coming in Mm. and what she might or might not need or want from him or was willing to be a part of. All of that. Mm. That was more interesting to him. But he he wasn't the kind of guy who did a lot of talking about what was going on mm. in a psychological way. No, no, no. What was your impressions uh, of the film? I was kind of stunned. People would ask me, what is it about? David even said that, I remember. People ask me what it's about. I don't know. You know <laughs> I, whatever your dreams, your thoughts, your your fantasies, your, your world is, I mean, however that fits in. And it obviously did. It meant a lot to a lot of people. Mm. And I was kind of blown away by the black and white and how how people looked and the how people the characters in it came alive. I didn't need to know. Some people need to know exactly what's going on every minute. I, I don't need to. I don't need the questions answered in that way. And then over the years, I've seen it on different times, and it always holds up in some way or other. Always. Hmm. Always. It's either I see it through a dark, dark lens, or I see it through maybe even a humorous lens in some ways, you know, uh, poke at the world at large, or poke at the people who are in it, or us, our species, all of that. But changed as I grew older and saw hmm. it. And I've, I've seen it off and on. And, you know, it's kind of fun to go back and look at it, see how it reads, but it still holds up. Yeah, really? it does. I was breaking down all the different scenes you're in. You're not in a lot of it, but I thought you, no. your character really did shape Henry a lot. I mean, he seemed to fantasize about the beautiful girl, and then he finally got her. Right. And it, but it was interesting to look at that and say, boy, this even though you have a minor character, it still was very important to the movie and how it kind of shaped this character. I, yeah, I, was, I, was, I mean, if she... She was just in the hallway as an image outside. But as soon as she stepped across the threshold, it not controlled him, but certainly affected him. 
yeah. in a man-woman way, but you're not just that, in a mysterious kind of psychic way. Yeah. It was so interesting. It's always been a part of me. Once I got up there to that mysterious place and mm. we started to put this thing together, which was not mainly, it was about Chapman and really Charlotte and mm. and the family and the whole thing, and then this woman, which I agree with you, she's very important, but has mm. not that much a screen time, but yeah. it was very iconic, the whole feel of what she was and her relationship to this guy. Mm-hmm. It, it was almost classical, and somehow David got a sense of, with very little, the sense of this man-woman kind of thing that didn't need any explanation where they came from, what they were, mm. but just that moment. And to me, that's it's very, it can be very moving at times. Definitely. Wow, thank you so much, Judith, for your time yeah. and, and for sharing that with us. And we wish, wish you the sure. best. I wish you the best, too. Shut up! Shut up! All right, we're on the phone with Charlotte Stewart, and uh, she's got a new book, Little House in the Hollywood Hills, A Bad Girl's Guide to Becoming Miss Beetle, Mary X, and Me. Hi, Charlotte. <laughs> Hi. Hi, guys. How you doing? Great. Good. A while ago, I used to think, oh, you must have been a student with, with David Lynch. But no, you've you, 15 years before Razorhead, you, you've been working in television and film. And so what made you decide to do a Razorhead? Well... Um, back in the day and still, you know, as of today, I will always work for a student filmmaker. Mm. You know, it, I don't care if it pays or not or whatever. But time I had done several uh, student films for, you know, USC students and UCLA and all. I got a call. My my roommate at the time was working with Jack Fisk as a volunteer mm. at AFI, American Film Institute. And she came home and she said, there's this director student director who's looking for an actress, and I told him my roommate's an actress, and he said, great. So he came to dinner with his wife, Peggy, mm-hmm. and he brought the script, and uh, and I was cast as Mariette. So <laughs> I had I had just, I was doing the Waltons at the time, mm-hmm. and then I, had, I, I started Little House on the Prairie right after that, but you know, as you probably know about Eraserhead, it took about four years to shoot, yeah. about four years to edit, and um, so for the next four years, I was in and out of the Little House in the Prairie Miss Beetle costumes and back mm-hmm. into Mary X, so I I never expected that, but, and then when the when the movie was released, or before it was released, he showed it to us at AFI, and it was about, I think at the time it was about two and a half hours long, Wow! and he said, he said, what do you think? Mm-hmm. David, I think it, it, it's like a toothache. It hurts <laughs> so bad. Wow. <laughs> he said, swell. <laughs> That's funny. Could you talk about, uh, there was actually uh, some cut scenes from Eraserhead, and one of them, you had actually get, uh, you had made a body cast. I did. I did. And I've, I've got a little bit of a short story to tell you about that. But yes, I ha- uh, he had in mind to shoot a scene where uh, Henry, put, in the middle of the night, pushes on Mary's stomach and breaks through into her womb and huh. finds all these fetuses. And so he had, this is before we started shooting, I had to had to go to his house, lay down on a, on a cot or a bed, and he painted me with this moulage, it's called. It's like a rubber, huh. kind of rubberized 
mixture, and then plaster of Paris cast. And this is from just below my chin all the way down to my pubic hair. Oh, my. Naked. I had no, I didn't know David. <laughs> I had my roommate with me there, Doreen. Wow. And, and we had to do that. And, you know, I mean, I just went ahead and did it, you know, wow. And it turned out he couldn't use it. Uh-huh. Um, it did, the effect didn't work very good. Um, so he gave me the cast. I have it to this day. To this day? Isn't that something? That's cool. I, I have it hanging in my bedroom. And when I was just up in North Bend to shoot the new Twin Peaks, I finished my day of shooting, and I went over to give him a hug goodbye. And he says to the entire room crew and everybody, you know, I have Charlotte naked in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and I just said, I just looked at him and smiled. <laughs> we just left it at that. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was a bad girl. Yes. <laughs> I guess you were. No. There was another deleted scene or that uh, you, were, you were on roller skates for like a special effect. Yes, there was a special effect that he wanted where Mary flew through the room with her nightgown flying behind her. And it was like a dream sequence. Well, hell, all of Eraserhead is like a dream sequence. Mm, yeah. But he wanted the special effect, and the room was so tiny. And the only way he could think of to do it was put me on roller skates and put a rope around my waist under my robe or whatever and pull me really quick through the room. <laughs> but it didn't It didn't work either. Yeah, you tried. <laughs> I'm still amazed. You tried. I'm amazed you, you were doing Little House on the Prairie in the daytime, oh. and then at nighttime you'd be doing Eraserhead. I don't know how you got enough sleep. I quite often didn't. Yeah. Quite often I would we finish before dawn at the AFI and then I would jump in my car and drive to Paramount Studios to do Little House. Hmm. And I didn't let them know that I was doing the student film because they, you know, my first job was to be ready and, and alert hmm. for um but it happened once on the Walton when I was doing that episode that I came in after having no sleep and completely blew my lines. I mean, I was apologizing all over the place, but I couldn't think straight. So, you know, it's just one of those things you have to deal with, you know, right. once you agree to do something like that. And you're human. I think everybody's allowed to have a yeah. bad day. Or you, What a great performance you did of Mary. I mean, what I loved about your performance is sometimes you didn't have to say anything. It was just the way you looked or had seizures or just the way you acted was incredible. <laughs> and then other times you would explode and you'd be angry. And I mean, to go from these different ranges, I think you did an incredible job on that film. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You know, there wasn't a lot of direction as far as character or, you know, emotions or anything david seemed to be more interested in the visual look of what was happening Hmm. you know he would he would direct um position of the body or something he you know he's a painter it's my opinion that he more than filmed it he painted eraser head and i tell people when they say what was it about tell me what the story was i say no i can't (laughs) because what you need to do is Go to the movie like you're going to the Museum of Art and stand in front of it and and just let it wash over you. You don't have to know what it all means. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that that's my opinion. And you know, David will never explain it. Yeah, it's a good thing. He, he never does. Would you share anything about your um Catherine Colson and Jack Nance? I mean, these are longtime oh. friends of yours. I know unfortunately they've passed away. Yes, I um Catherine and I became friends. 
Well, Catherine and Jack and I became friends when we did Eraserhead. Head. But she and I really became close friends when we worked on Eraserhead, I mean, on uh, Twin Peaks together. Mm. And then I've known her through the years. We've stayed in touch. In fact, she did give me a call um, last summer to say she had lung cancer. She oh. just wanted me to know. Yeah. And then I saw her at the Twin Peaks Fest, her last appearance there. Mm. And she was quite ill, but she was so gracious and so available to all the fans. I just admired her. So, you know what? Yeah. Catherine Coulson made me a better friend. Oh, just good. knowing her made yeah. me a better friend. Oh. And, you know, her passing. So I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. And I miss her terribly. Yeah. Oh, she she is so sweet. I mean, that same time that she was at that festival, I reached out to her and I said, oh, would you mind doing being on the show? And I said, oh, I, we asked for like 10 minutes of your time. And she gave us 10 minutes. And at the time, I didn't know she was sick. And, yeah, you know, it was great. I don't know if I was sick, if I would want to do anything. I would, so for yeah. her to yeah. be able to give that time. And, and she seemed like such a wonderful lady. I mean, yes, else. that's true. That is very true. And Jack Nance, your roommate, what was it was it like uh, living with him? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack, you know, Jack, when he came back from doing um, Blue Velvet, um, he he was in really bad shape, and mm. so Dennis Hopper flew with him back to Los Angeles and drove him directly to a rehab center. Wow! And and so when Jack got out, or when I heard he was getting out, I called him up. And I said, you know, what? how are you doing? What are you doing? Do you need a place to live? Hmm. And he did. And my roommate had just moved out to get married. I said, Jack, I've got a two-bedroom house here. You know, why don't you come over? And so he did. He moved in. And then we, we were roommates until he married Kelly. Hmm. And and then um, and then I got married at the time, too, my dear departed David. Hmm. But um, Jack and I were best friends shared a lot of crazy experiences. I may tell a story about Jack. Yeah, I think that's, maybe that's what I'll do for the book, because I've got a couple of fun. Yeah, that'd be something. He seems like such a character. I mean, I think I read somewhere where, like, you know, he sometimes would take a long time to say something, and you guys did, like, would be on the radio, and the (laughs) the DJ or the guy would interrupt him because he thinks he was done talking or something. (laughs) Yes, that happened. Um, Well, God, I can't remember the name of the two DJs that they were in L.A., um, when Twin Peaks was on, they were just huge fans, and they had us on their show. And Jack would go to tell stories, <laughs> and they would just come in like with another question because he takes so long, uh, you know. Yeah. He takes so long. In fact, there's a scene in Wild at Heart. Um, I believe it's Wild at Heart where it it takes place at a motel, and he he's there and he talks about his dog. Yeah, you remember that? I do. I remember my that. dog. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're so welcome, both of you. Thank you. So we're on the phone with Laurel Near, and she was the lady in the radiator in Eraserhead. Hi, Laurel. Hi, how's it going, Ben? Good. Thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> oh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I want to start off with that you were part of this three-part harmony singing group called the Near Sisters. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes. You know, I grew up on a cattle ranch, the 1,800-acre cattle ranch, and we were always singing mm-hmm. in my household. I had two other sisters and a brother. And then, you know, what happened is years later, my sisters and I, we sort of created this Andrews Sisters three-part harmony mm-hmm. Sort of comedy, little comedy group. Yeah. And we were, um, we performed in the Ash Grove at one point, and that's when David Lynch came with um, my sister 
my sister Timothy had a good friend named Catherine Colson, mm. and <laughs> so <laughs> they had been fast friends forever through their experiences in theater, and so she brought to at the Ashgrove that night this guy named David Lynch, <laughs> and so we were performing our three-part harmony, and it, we, we had a little part in our show um, that we were called Fluffy Babe and Jewel. You can imagine I was Fluffy, mm-hmm. and... Um, my sister Holly was Babe, and then uh, Timmy was Jewel. So, you know, Fluffy was very positive and smiled a lot. Yeah. And, <laughs> and very, uh, very overly sweet. You know, she wore a very short gold dress, and she was just lovely sort mm. of um, sweetness. That's the show where um, Catherine and David saw the nearest sisters. David Lynch, I think, has said in the past that like he really likes your smile, which... <laughs> Which I can see. I think you have a beautiful smile. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it worked. Yeah, yeah. I guess it worked for that for the movie, for sure. And was there an interview process with David Lynch? Oh, no. I just um, performed that, that night, and I believe, this is so long ago, but I, I believe he came backstage and said, I'm doing this movie. Hmm. And, you know, I was like, sure. You know, <laughs> I wasn't really trying to be an actress in L.A. I was Actually, I was taking a lot of dance classes in Los Angeles. I was going to Roland Dupree's Dance Center in Los Angeles. And then, you know, my favorite place after dance class was to go to the House of Pies. I remember the House of Pies was a really big deal to me. Hmm. I have vague memories. But but David, he just came and said, do you want to be in this movie? And I was, I just, I really didn't question him about it. I thought, okay. (laughs) <laughs> and then, <laughs> but I didn't audition. No, I didn't audition. To me, it's really strange. Is you're a singer, and yet you actually didn't sing in Heaven the song. It was done by a man named Peter Evers. Do you know why that was? Um, you know, I'm not really a singer. I think, but mostly I was focusing in on dance, and I just mm-hmm. happened to be singing with the Near Sisters at that era in my life. But I wouldn't really consider myself a singer. And the nice thing though was in, in uh, 2015 there was the whole Eraserhead Forever celebration, and you did actually uh, get up there and sing as the lady in the radiator, which I think is so cool. I did. Yeah, that was that was fun and surprising. I, I, one of my sons was there. You know, I have three kids, and mm. my youngest actually saw a showing at USC the first time she ever saw it. It wow. was her junior year at college. And um, she was laughing so happily and wonderfully whenever the lady in the radiator came on because she just thought it was the most extraordinary movie she'd ever seen. <laughs> That's awesome. She just loved, she loved that character. Uh, and I was glad that she was laughing and smiling, um, that she that she had that wonderful reaction. Definitely. And so do you remember where that dress came from that you wore? I don't. I wish I, I, wish I knew more of the detail of all that. Sure. Um, I can tell you. I really don't. <laughs> I don't. I think I know. <laughs> what I've read is Catherine Colson's college prom dress was what you wore and I think it was blue, which is, I mean, you never would know this because it was black and white, but I believe it was a blue dress and it was her, uh, her college prom dress. Oh, that's funny because I actually have a picture of her in that prom dress. I didn't know the history. I... So what was it like working with David Lynch? Well, I think he was also young. Hmm. And um, from what I've read, in hindsight, just starting out. And um, he's just so kind. 
and direct and really salt of the earth. I felt really confident to you know, be able to do any of the directions that he asked. He was just so present. And since I really wasn't a trained actress, he was mm. really kind about telling me what I was supposed to do. I didn't really know the story. You know, he gave me as much information as I needed to do my part. Yeah, I just remember it's just so fun, so relaxed. And of course, Catherine was around too, so I knew mm. her really well. And yeah. I just, I just loved it. And I loved my part. I had no idea how my part related to the whole movie. Because mm. uh, so, I didn't see the movie for quite a while later. So When you were there, I mean, you had to perform where there was these like worms, which I think we've learned that uh, they were actual umbilical cords. They were real umbilical cords. That, were, you freaked, <laughs> were you freaked out by this or were you okay? I think I was just fine with it. I yeah. mean, again, David was such a strong, centered-looking person. Mm. <laughs> I had great trust in him. Yeah, I think I thought it was goofy. Yeah. And, was, you know, he said, and then when you look down, then you're going to step on those and you're going to <laughs> giggle. <laughs> and it's going to be fun. It's going yeah. to be fun. <laughs> I was like, okay, right. I could do that. I mean, I did grow up on a ranch where there were lots of things around. We were pretty um, rough and ready kids. And your performance, I mean, there's so much joy and I don't know. I th- I do. I think you use the word love. There is something about Lady and the Radiator that is. There's just so much joy and happiness. And it's funny because most of the movie isn't all that very happy. But there is something about your performance that just is amazing and what you brought to the character. He saw Fluffy on the stage at the Ashgrove, and she she was she's pretty happy. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I I always say that I'm sort of chemically balanced towards being happy. I, I agree with you. The lady in the radiator is just emanating some sort of love and yeah. happiness. I was just doing the job. He had the vision. David David Lynch had this vision. Mm. And it, it, uh, he must he must have seen it because, boy, did it come out really great. Yeah. It did. It's something. You know, and David is known to uh, put the makeup on actors himself. Did he do that for you as well? Did he put the makeup on you? Oh, yeah. And it was quite a really long process. Mm. I think it hurt some, but, um, again, I don't... <laughs> experience pain very much. Yeah. I don't know what, why that is. Some, you know, some people feel pain a lot. I don't feel physical pain as much as I think mm. some people, but I think it was probably painful. Wow. It was, it was a lot of layers of stuff, and I was realizing how it seemed like it was a long process. Yeah. But, you know, nothing. It was no big deal. You know, you know when it came off, I wasn't scarred. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And so you, you you didn't really know all the story of the whole film, but then what was it like when you actually saw the whole thing? And it, your part didn't really come till the near the end of the movie. Oh, I know. And, you know, I've never watched horror or, you know, any mm. kind of intense movies. I, yeah. I was pretty protected as a child. And then when we finally saw it, and I saw it with one of my family members, and we just had our jaws dropping open. We were like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> It was, it was great, and it was so surprising. And you know, my part that I played—I mean, I played her. Mm. There, she, I just—I loved her. You know, mm. so I was like, "Wow!" But I didn't really get it that movie, and you know, in its fullness. Mm. Like, you know, every time I see it, I see so much more. You know, I've seen it. You know, probably five times. And this last time when I saw it with my daughter, I saw so much more. Wow! And it's. Like, wow, how can you see this? How many times have not have gotten this part or that part? Or yeah. Understood all this trauma. Huh. Oh, my God. And Jack Nance's role as Henry. I knew Jack, you know, when I was younger because he, he performed with Catherine and my sister Timmy. Oh, wow. 
in San Francisco. So I knew him as a person. I was just completely always fascinated with him. You know, I was young, and yeah. you know, whenever whenever he was in the room, everybody's sort of eyes were just you know. And we were just he was they were just visiting my parents' house. Yeah, you know? I mean, it was just very casual, but. I've all, I just always thought Jack Nance was like an incredible human being and actor. For sure. Well, I'd love to move on just to talk a little bit of space that you co-founded. I co-founded a school called Space, School of Performing Arts and Cultural Education. And in a few years, we were gifted a former Catholic church. It's hmm. the Catholic Church St. Mary's of the Angels. It was going to be knocked down, and it was a wrecking ball in the parking lot, and it was very dramatic. And we were grassroots teachers of dance and theater, and someone came to us and said, we receive this building, hmm. and, and we'll buy it, you know, we'll make it happen for you. And we were like, oh, you know, we're, we're very, yes, <laughs> no, maybe. And that was, so we said yes. And from there on, um, this whole dream of creating a state-of-the-art theater for children and families happened. And I'm not sure there are are any theaters that are completely devoted to kids. Hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are, but this is an incredible miracle that this has happened. And we're at the, we're right now at the end of the building phase. It'll be done August 1st. Oh, congratulations. And, uh, we'll be moving, yeah, we'll be moving into that. And, you know, the, the community helped fund it. We're, we're going to have to be able to keep it open now and keep it alive and thriving. Um, hmm. Sometimes when you have a building, you now you have to make sure the program keeps going. But part of that is we collaborated with this parenting group in Palo Alto called Hand in Hand Parenting, and it was founded by Patty Whistler. And why that's important is the focus at space is to really see every child and be able to listen to where people are at and mm. where families are at. And Hand in Hand Parenting helped us build our philosophy of working with kids mm. so that so these incredible children that are coming to us from very diverse backgrounds they may they may be the next David List. They might be yeah. the next Jim Carrey. They might be the next whoever. Right. But we have a way of making sure everyone really is heard and seen and and thrives there, no matter what their learning style. Yeah. So um, wow. we really have hand in hand parenting to thank for that. Um, but yeah, I, I feel really lucky that that I was able to help found the theater, and that the theater will go on and on and on way past. You know, just the founders. Yeah. We're, we're really excited about that. And if people want to learn more about that. Yeah, we're on Facebook as Ukiah Space, but we also have a website, spaceperformingarts.org. And for parents, if they wanted to check into handinhandparenting.org, it's a life-changing organization that really supports parents to work with their kids and listen to their kids. And you, you go, well, how hard is it to listen to your kids? But mm. it's, they have very specific tools that are just incredible. That, that website has a lot of free information on it, too. So I highly recommend that website as well. Cool. The lady in the radiator wasn't in the original script. So I think later on, uh, David Lynch had thought about it and decided he started thinking about the radiator and he started thinking there could be a, a lady in the radiator. But it's funny to think that you weren't originally going to be a part of this or, or your character wasn't. And to me, that song and your performance is one of the best parts of the movie, I feel. I, I love it. It's so memorable. I love it too, Ben. I just, I think it's transformational. Um, you know more about the history of actually probably the making of Eraserhead than I do, but that that song, I mean, I really talked about the lady in the radiator in the third person because she changed my life as a young person hmm. and just her message and the transformation and the white light. And, you know, David Lynch never explains what 
his movies mean, but everybody gets to decide, you know, mm. as he says, for themselves. And for me, it was such a great introduction as a young person into the world of um, possibilities. Mm. And, you know, I mean, I'm just making this up. He never said this, but, mm. um, you know, the idea of unconditional love mm. and Henry, Henry's, like, traumatic life, like, yeah. you know, the soundtrack and... There's so much feeling in, in Eraserhead that it's nonverbal. Hmm. Um, and, wow, that those moments when the lady comes in through the radiator are just profound for me. And, and then I feel like it, in a way, shaped a lot of the rest of my life in a positive way. Just what she says, hmm. you know, in her song. Awesome. I'm always surprised that her first verse says, you've got your good things and I've got mine. Hmm. And then the last verse says, You've got your good things, and you've got mine. Uh, Many people never hear that little change in the lyric. Hmm. That's pretty brilliant how that was written. Well, thank you, Laurel. This is thank you so much for your time. In uh, it was really great, and I can't believe it's been forty years since a Razorhead came out. <laughs> I know. I really appreciate that you called, and I feel you're really honored. And I, I just, I love lady in the radiator i love her so much and i mm. learned from her i learned from her every day really i uh, just, she was like a life-changing character in my life that's awesome in heaven Yes, and before we do, please keep those tweets coming at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Uh, we're on Facebook. We hit our 400. Let's hit 450 before season three. Please and thank you for everything on Facebook. And last but not least, five-star reviews on the iTunes. Give us those reviews. Get, leave us a nice little comment. It, it means is, so much to us. It, it really does. It means so yeah. much, and it really does motivate us to try and go out there and get interviews like we did today. And, yeah, it just means so much, and it takes five minutes of your time. And if we can get us or any of the Twin Peaks uh, shows on the top 50 in iTunes before season three, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. That's, what, that's really what I'm looking forward to. I would love it the weekend before or after season three premieres. To go on to that top 50 iTunes inter- TV and entertainment mm. and see us or one of our friends up there. That'd be awesome. That would be right. Christmas comes early for me. Totally. You know? That would be awesome. And you can make that happen if you yes. leave us a re- review. And a comment on the old iTunes. Brian, any final thoughts? Well, 
after doing two episodes on Eraserhead, I was mixed feelings, going to watch this movie. I was excited, didn't know what to expect. I was blown away. Um, to me, this is probably one of Lynch's finest works. Um, I put it right, and I know I might I might say that a lot, but this, this is like, like I loved it. And yeah. I want to watch it over and over and over again, and I want the discussion to keep going online, and um, I want people to email us and send us comments and mm. be like, what about this and this and this? And that's how much I love this film was just so enjoyable and just so crazy. Awesome. And so we're getting close to, I think we've only got one more feature film left, which is The Straight Story. Mm. And we, we will do the shorts as well, but we've only got one more full feature. That's depressing. Left. It is. It's too bad. It's almost all done. But I love it. Maybe when we get to the end, you'll have to rank. Yes, we should do a show where uh, we rank our favorite Lynch films. From, right. That would be cool. That would be awesome. So that's something we can look forward to. And I, I think we'd love to hear from others. What are your favorite Lynch films? Yeah, definitely. All right, we're out of here. See you later. <laughs>